One Strong Podcast, episode 82. Rob Jones, we're both wearing black t-shirts today, maybe highlighting our our mood, our energy <laughs> levels. I'm still feeling a little bit fatigued, but not as bad as I thought I would. Ah, you must have thought it was going to be pretty bad then. I'm yeah. definitely feeling it. <laughs> we're ready? going to talk more about why later on after our interview, but this week we do have a guest and it's a pretty special guest, I think, in my opinion anyway. Um, mate, you you found this news. Why don't you introduce our guest this week? Okay, so our guest this week is uh, a lady. She's from your part of the world. Um, she is, well, she came to my attention because she loves all things ultra and she just set a record for running the 186 mile Pembrokeshire coast path, which actually you sent to me and Marcus last summer during COVID as a, as a challenge that maybe we wanted to do. Um, but our guest today is Sana Duffy. She's from Milford Haven. She set the record. Um, yeah, and she's gonna tell us all about it. Awesome. Hey Sana, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me. No problem. Now, Rob is not the easiest to understand. He's got like a mix of an Irish, Scottish, weird accent. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I'm happy to say you you sound definitely like you are from Pembrokeshire and definitely from Milford Haven in, in Pembrokeshire. <laughs> I'm probably the, the one that most people are going to be able to understand the clearest for once. <laughs> okay. This isn't fair because you two were just, you just started talking about Wales just before we hit record, I had no idea. You started saying names and places, and it didn't sound like English to me. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't even the Welsh versions of the names. <laughs> no. Thank God, or Mil I wouldn't understand. <laughs> the Milford should be Abadagleddai in Welsh. <laughs> That's true. Sonnet, tell us a bit about where you're from then, um, for listeners who don't know. like Tell us where you're from, and in particular, what got you interested in running such an iconic coast path from where you are from? Of course, no problem. So I, I live in Milford, which um, my house is literally like less than a quarter of a mile from the official coast path route, but obviously it's not one of the nice beaches. <laughs> it's it's in, the, in a town. Um, I did 100 miles of the coast path in 2017. And then I did it again in 2018 and got a course record and came first overall, which is was up until that point one of my biggest achievements and during it I was like oh I think I'd like to do the whole thing but I had races and all planned um 2019 and I did for 2020 but Covid hit um so all races got cancelled and I I need something to aim for otherwise a I'll just run aimlessly and get injured and b it's harder to to get out when the weather's not so great so I decided I was as soon as um they opened up the coast path that I was going to do the whole thing. I mean, I love the coast. I've, I've tried mountains and, and other areas. Um, I started road running and, and then I ran on the coast and I've never really looked, looked back. So for me, it was the perfect, perfect scene to do such a big challenge on. Amazing. Have, have you run all your life? Because um, you're, you're 32 now, so has your background always been running? Um, no, not really. Um, I kind of started when, when I was like 18, 19, but when, what I'm, that wasn't like anything competitive. It was more just to keep fit, stay in shape, um, lose, a bit, lose a bit of weight. And it was in between gyms and, and classes. 
Um, I moved to Cardiff, um, which is the capital of Wales, just, just in case, <laughs> for, uh, for, for two years. Um, I didn't love it there. I'm, I'm definitely more, more coastal or, or country. So when I came back, I was just loving going to the beaches and, and being outside. So then that's when my running really, really kicked off. Um, gyms down here weren't as great as they were in Cardiff. So I didn't feel as motivated to go. Um, I did my first marathon in 2013. It was a road marathon. And then I did a couple more in 2014. Obviously, I had to do London Marathon because that's the only one that seems to count. <laughs> and then I did my first ultra in 2015, which is a 50 miler. And I realised I, I was all right, right at them. Um, started to, to place and do quite well. And, and then, yeah, I just got the distance got bigger. Challenges got harder and I was hooked. Brilliant. It's such a nice organic growth into the sport as well. Um, Sana, I want to paint the picture a little bit more about what you have set, because we've, we're, the title of the show is 186 mile FKT. Now, 186 mile running sounds pretty daunting, but then when you understand what the, like, the course that you ran it on, the topography of it, I think people, if they did understand it, would you know, they would probably almost think you can't run that in one go. Um, Rob, you've got the numbers of it. From a numbers perspective, you're pretty, you're pretty uh, in awe of it, right? Yes. But from a, that, I think the numbers of the elevation is one thing, but then Sana, tell us a bit about like how the terrain is, like even the little things like the gates you've got to go through, the, the things you've got to jump over. Like you're la I can see you laughing on video now because <laughs> If you only can know it by having done it. Yeah. What were some of the, the hardest parts to that? Obviously, not just the distance and the elevation. It, it is the variant of, of, of ground conditions. Um, it is the up and down. I mean, on the, the second day, my quads were hammered because the first half, or the, the first 50 miles of Pembrokeshire Coast Path is the steepest. And after doing it all, it's definitely the hardest. So starting there starting from that end is definitely harder um and also another thing that you have to take in consideration is a tidal crossing um um which was 106 miles in so i had to try and gauge gauge my whole time in and making sure i start corrected correctly to ensure that i cross that without having to do like an extra eight miles and i know that high tide route is my home it's my loop from home and you don't want to be doing that it's hill, hilly roads and, and fields you, you just you just it would just break your mind i think and i literally um i was really pleased actually low tide was at 10 41 so you have two hours to to cross and i got there at 11 30 <laughs> so it was wow. perfectly i mean you can't cross at all when it went when it's at high tide it's just just um it's a creek and well it would be past my head i know i'm only short but yeah you you you, you wouldn't want to be doing that and there's loads of crabs in there too um <laughs> so that's one of the the main stresses so once you get past that tidal crossing um it, it does lift off a massive amount of stress um but it did mean that i did hammer quite hard on that first day to ensure that i could get there on time because I just didn't want to go around or I didn't want to be waiting around for the tide if I got there mm -hmm. too early as well. So, you know, you can't be too quick, you can't be too slow. So that's really important. Um, 
the the hills they're not like they're not our climbs like you you have on mountains but they're just these short star sharp hills that your head is by your quads at some point i remember leaving this like horrible pebbly beach to be in like a like a like a canyon and my it was a bit higher than my head and it was just so steep i was like this is just cruel whoever <laughs> whoever put this year this is just cruel and the steps, there's so many steps. And they're not like your stairs where they're even. They're like all different levels. I mean, some of them are as high as my hips. <laughs> it's just all up and down. I mean, they're no easier to come down as what they are to go up. And they're not even. There's rocks and roots in them as well. Yeah. So, yeah, there it's not. barely a point where you're running along flat. And if you are, it's along a headland with the wind straight in your face. Oh, don't yeah. talk to me about that. <laughs> I am. Um... I did a bit of research on the uh, on the coast path. Just I know I love I love stats, so I'm gonna fire okay. some stats at you. Um, so the the total distance is 300 kilometers long, with 12,000 meters of vertical ascent and and loss. So you've got to go up and down. There is the lowest point is two meters just above low tide, which is I guess that Sunday Haven crossing where you had oh, to time yeah. it perfectly, right? <laughs> it would um, be. Yeah. There are 25 styles to cross. There is 475 gates that you have to open and close. There are 149 bridges. There are 273 flights of stairs totaling oh my God. <laughs> nearly, nearly 4,000 steps. And as you say, they are uneven. <laughs> so yeah. it's, how do you, so when you're trying to to attack something like this how do you even fathom planning a set pace when you've got that many obstacles um i knew i had to like average 16 minutes um per mile um to to get 50 hours obviously i got slightly over so i actually averaged 16 minutes and 21 seconds per mile so i wasn't too far off if you know you put it in that grand of scheme i managed to pretty much stick to it um it's just being steady and just not burning out was the most important thing. I mean, I did mess up a little bit on the first day by not really stopping to like have lunch. Um, and I did pay for that a little bit in that first night. Um, the second day I did like, I stopped and I had breakfast and I stopped and I had lunch, let the food go in, let my muscles <laughs> relax a little bit. Um, so the first day, maybe I did go off too hard, but I don't regret it because I got what I needed to to get and I yeah I couldn't believe it was only 21 seconds per mile over over that amount of time it's just pretty pretty spot on <laughs> yeah which end did you start from actually uh the uh, New Newport so Poppet Caradigion ah. oh so you yeah. really did take on the hardest end first <laughs> yeah so when you're um through the the middle bit sort of running through St Bride's Bay yeah you're you're probably I'd say is the busiest um, parts of the county. Like that's where yeah. you, like Newgale Beach is, St. David's, which are kind of the touristy spots before you get yeah. around to like Tenby Saunders foot area. What, did, did anyone know what you were doing? Like how was your support crew? Did, did people just think, oh, she's just going for a run? Did they know you were running 300 Ks? Because I always did it in the week. It was actually quite quiet. Um, but like you cross some jetty lines, um, we're quite like these refineries and, and LNGs down by here. And one I've never I run that bit quite often. I've never seen a person before. And someone, one of the workers in all their PPE came up to the jetty line at the bridge and was like said hello and like you go and things like that. So I thought that was quite cool. <laughs> he stuck with me a bit. 
Um, um, during the days, I didn't have huge amount of sports because people were working, but in the afternoons and evenings, it, there was plenty of people there supporting me. And I, had, I made sure I had two of my um, good friends who were good runners as well through the nights. I didn't want to be on my own during the, the nights. Uh, safety and yeah you get a bit tired um yeah. and badges were a problem <laughs> badges yeah um at castle martin there was two badges fighting in the street one ran away one ran towards us i got scared it was the second night so i, I wasn't quite with it so we got my pearls and banging them and the badger came at us i stepped back and tripped over a curb <laughs> I was like, oh no, this cannot be the reason that it ends. But luckily, my friend managed to get him away. And yeah, I carried on. <laughs> it was a good laugh for half yeah. hour after that. <laughs> the other thing about Castle Martin is it's a firing range for the army. Yeah, they um, <laughs> it's it's open um, from 4pm anyway. But that was a horrid section because that's where bad weather hit. It was just when you spoke about headlands and wind, that's where it was completely on that straight bit for like, oh, it was just felt like for hours and there's nothing to yeah. see. And there's loads of signs in and like, do I turn at this one? And I'm like, no, that one's don't dig holes. I don't want to dig holes. I just want to get off this place. <laughs> so. <laughs> so badgers, headwinds and firing <laughs> random yeah. bullets is exactly yeah. what you don't want at that point. I never wanted to quit that bit, but I don't particularly want to go there anytime soon either. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, you told me this. You told me this was meant to be a nice bit of the coast path. I don't like the sound of it so far. Yeah, don't that's probably that one, one bit to avoid. Although they, they did film, uh, they filmed a couple of movies near there, didn't they, on Fresh West Beach? Yeah, um, yeah, I think something to do with Dobby, Dobby, and there's like his gravy. Yeah, yes. yeah, that bit's nice. It's just after that. <laughs> it is, um, yeah. You've you've attempted this challenge before, haven't you? But it didn't quite go to plan last time. What happened, and what was the difference between the last attempt and this attempt? Um, this attempt only had forty mile hour gusts, and the last one had seventy mile hour gusts. Is the main one. <laughs> <laughs> and my gusts on um, the second attempt didn't come until the, uh, the last night and they hit literally when I was only 60 odd miles in last time and it was brutal I mean I'm used to running in bad weather I don't go on my treadmill when it's bad weather I, I get out there and embrace it I think it's great training but this was something else I, I was I was scared it was it was horrible it was um, called Storm Ellen and yeah it was like you open a gate and the wind would take the gate and you think you're going to go off the cliff with it. It was just, it was scary. Um, yeah, I had to call it a day. It wasn't safe for me and it wasn't fair on my crew. And then yeah. the next day, well, the day I would have got to Amroth, the finish, was actually closed off because the tide was coming up over the wall and it was dangerous. <laughs> so I would have got there and not even been able to get to that stone at the end anyway. So it just wasn't meant to be. We'll let you off for that one then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't like just have a bad blister and and quit or just have a little hissy fit. It was uh, <laughs> it was a proper reason. Extreme weather. Yeah, yeah. that is crazy. Yeah. The um, it's it is quite a renowned place for running, and a few people have attempted the full coast path um before, and I think there there used to be anyway. Uh, there used to be a race, but it was broken into three days. Yeah. Um, but that's not. Uh, I don't think they're doing that anymore either. That company doesn't do it anymore, but a Pembrokeshire guy does do it. Um, it yeah, it's called Marathon de Sabs now, 
and yeah you break it kind of into three days um like you get a lot more support then as well obviously have you been keeping an eye on sort of record attempts for it and has it been a, a, a goal for you for a long time or is it something that you kind of spur the moment okay I'm going to do this and it's just something good to train for did it does it feel does it mean something to you to have the record yeah it does I mean I didn't I wanted to get the record um but also just wanted to do it. a I was the first female to do it which I thought was pretty good and hopefully inspired yeah. some other people to try and get get out there and, and do this type of thing as well not beat it but <laughs> you know <laughs> get out there um I knew other people and I and I know of FKTs but it really was about my own journey and not having it was it's hard enough without that pressure anyway um so it was just it was for me um I love the coast path um COVID uh, hit me pretty hard with no races and not being able to see my friends it, you know it's been it, it was tough um and I've had some other things as well just that had had hit me hard in the last two years so this is for me to make me believe in myself again and and raise money for charity which is obviously always makes you feel good and I just wanted to do it to to make my dad and, and partner proud and, and and for me to have that feeling and it, it was amazing I mean it was horrible failing the first time but I'm kind of glad I did because it made it mean even more after that yeah how how did you take that failure and obviously there's not much you can do about the weather until well except for like try and predict it better next time and, and time it better but did you did it just drive you more did you sulk about it for a week or so or were you straight back out there the next day ready to go again um it did hit me hard but I'm not the type of person that was sulk when you when something like that happens you just got to get up like brush it off and and keep trying so yeah I I just went back out and started training again and just just learnt from it. I mean, there was this storm that came in on on for this one. Um, yeah, it wasn't great. So I brought it forward a day earlier than what it what it should have been. Um, and obviously, it was nowhere near as bad. I mean, it was twelve hours of running in rain. I mean, my feet are not pretty, so that did did have a. It wasn't too much of a problem because it was the last day anyway. It wasn't going to be super fast, so that was fine. Um, and if I would have postponed it to this week, which was was part of the plan, we've had high winds and rain again. So, yeah, it's just just one of those things. And now the growth of the path would make it harder as well because, yeah, it's coming into summer. So, yeah, I was a bit beaten up over it, but not to the point that I was going to quit. It just spurred me on. I was just like, no, and the weather's not going to beat me. I'm going to do this. I've seen all the amazing support from everyone. I'm, I'm not going to quit and lay low. I'm going to get up and, and battle it. When you um, when you did the attempt the first time, were you on track to beat the record then? Uh, yeah, I act. Uh, I was when I look back at my statistics, I got there um, at the point that I stopped. I was an hour quicker this time. Yeah. Obviously, I've had um, I have had an extra six months of training, which I completely threw myself into. So, yeah, I, I was I did better this time, I suppose, to that point. See, um, would you say based off the first the first attempt, would you did you mix anything up in your training or how did your how did your structure look for something of that it, magnitude? It, it pretty much stayed similar. Um, again, we still couldn't go to gyms here in the UK. So I would have liked to have done that through the winter, which is something I normally do. Yeah. Um, so I did have um, I was a little bit worried about some tightness that I had. So but was able to get sports massages before it. 
so that that helped um differently i have i've done a lot um i had like a six-week block where i ran an ultra every week that that week so that was much much better because i had more time to get onto the coast path this time because of the lockdown they didn't close it mm -hmm. so yeah i got more time on the coast path and i was able to get like um couple like I trained at, um, at least 300 miles every month since last March but towards the end of like 2020 and then the beginning of the year I had a couple of like 350s so that that all helped time and feet. Wow and are you are you full-time running or do you no, have a job no, as well? No. I work full-time. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all fitted in around that so yeah I work Monday to Friday and then I train twice a day um, Monday to Friday and then long runs on the weekends. I hope your job's sitting down. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. <laughs> wow. That, I mean, that is huge mileage for, for full-time yeah. work as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a squeeze and I'm lucky that like my family support me and, and let me go out and do it on the weekends and things. So yeah, I'm pretty lucky. And are you coached by anyone? Nope. <laughs> No, I have um, a person I've been working with on my sports massages for, th for three years now. And uh, now I, I've been, I worked with this guy um, in 2019 in the gym. Um, and now I went back, back with him, just, but just gym um, helping me with, you know, you get weaknesses, don't you? So he's just helping me fix them. That was my next question around injuries. Have you had any um, injuries to worry about? Or are you kind of one of those runners that are just so resilient you never... Never I'm not that lucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have problems with my feet generally. I had a bad Achilles injury in 2018. Um, but the, yeah, that's been the main one. And obviously you get little niggles now and then. I mean, one of my main problems is my quads are much more dominant than my hamstrings, which can cause tightness. So um, that's my main focus for this year is to try and even them out a little bit. And is the goal to become a full-time runner, professional runner? Oh, it's a dream um, whether it will happen I, I don't know but it would be amazing well if you keep running the way you are and uh, getting the notoriety <laughs> you are and your race history is impressive as well you, you know you, you're winning a couple of ultras there and yeah I'm sure it could it could happen do you um do you plan your weeks ahead with your training or you're just waking up and deciding what you fancy doing um it's not as structured as like some people's but I have like my my weekly mileage goals that, that I have and like I'll book in my gym sessions and then the runs will kind of go around that. I mean, sometimes it's difficult because you could be working late. Um, so I do have to be adaptable. I can't be too, too set. Um, but like, yeah, I plan my weekend long runs are, are planned. And then normally if I don't quite hit my mileage in the week, it's topped up on the weekend. I mean, my goal is to run between 40 and 50 miles Monday to Friday and then the rest on the weekends. And Quite a lot of people will have a coach um, for, for one to, well, I suppose, take the headache out of, out of planning the training, but also for the accountability. So how do you keep yourself accountable when, you know, you might, like you say, you work a full-time job, you do a morning session, you know, when you're finishing work, how do you just come back and then find the, the drive to go and run that evening session when there's nobody looking over your shoulder? I suppose I'm quite quite lucky that I am. I always have been a very driven person, and if I say I'm going to do something, then I will, unless the wind gets in the way. But um, uh, I just I just make it accountable for myself, and I know I can't perform or do the races or the challenges that I set unless I do that training. So 
you know and if I said I'm going to do it then I'm accountable to the like if you put it out there like kind of on Facebook and stuff kind of uncountable to everyone that can see that so you know advertising that I was doing the the FKT made me accountable to everyone that seemed that I was going to do it so I wasn't going to let all that down or, or not let my training be where it needed to be where does your drive come from Sana? I don't know <laughs> I've always been highly driven I just I think it's the thing of failure just don't want to fail um I just I've all I've all I'm just so lucky that I've always been so driven and motivated and I think that is an important part of ultra running it's just I just want to be the best version of myself that that I can be and that's what drives me was it the same in school you were driven in school with lessons and things or it's just through running um no I've, I've always been like it in school as well I just always wanted to make sure I did, made my parents proud that I did well I mean it doesn't come naturally to me running I, I do have to work work at it and I you know you get some people that it does come naturally um I've always had to work for my grades and my and my running I have to work work for it I can't just just hope that I run 40 miles a week and that I might be able to run 100 miles I I have to work for it but it pays off because because yeah. I've done I've worked hard and I get the results why wouldn't you not want to continue to do that <laughs> music to our ears that is yeah i think it's a, a big misconception that everyone seems to think that everyone that gets these fkts and these you know these super fast times that it comes always naturally to them and it's nice to hear that someone actually puts a lot of work in and doesn't find it easy all the time no it's, it's, it's not you know but that's what makes it more i think that makes it more rewarding you know if you like when i could see the the finish and it was i even um like you get to, um, you come out of the woods at Amroth and it's literally only half a mile to the finish. And it wasn't until I seen the rock, which is only like a hundred meters away, um, which is the finish. Did I believe even then that I was going to do it? And it was then, and I was just like, I did it. And I know my family and my friends supported me along the way, but, and I, and I appreciate that and I couldn't do it without them. But it was once I got to that rock that I finally believed that I'd done it. And I was just so proud of my body, even though it was in so much pain. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. How, how did you manage pain? Do you just embrace it and crack on or do you have to manage it with painkillers or how was your, were you even stopping to do any form of recovery or were you just going, going, going? Um, I pretty much can embrace pain. I think you just kind of got to block it out, keep going. Um, I did have a few blisters that I had to, um, <laughs> popping on, <laughs> rock tape, uh, plaster rock taping on. I think my work colleagues are a bit like shocked by that. <laughs> some of them came up to support me they were like oh my god that's really sore you're gonna be okay I was like yeah pass me the needle I'll get it done <laughs> so um you know just just get on with it it's, it's temporary um although on Saturday afternoon I couldn't really walk and <laughs> I may have moaned a little bit then <laughs> but during the event I just kept going um I did stretch like when sometimes when I'd like get my socks and all changed I'd be stretching a bit um yeah I just just kept it and uh, when I sat down a bit I tried to keep like my feet up a bit and that really helped as well so yeah brilliant um, and I know this Rob I know your next question mate go on what did you eat <laughs> yes <laughs> I was now I was, I was gonna beef it out a bit more than that I was gonna say that most ultra runners are not known for their conventional nutritional choices <laughs> 
Yeah, so obviously I had like my running foods and electrolytes um, that, that I was taking. Um, That's boring, but tell yeah, us the good I know, stuff. We'll go away from that. But <laughs> I bought one chicken and sweet corn sandwich, but I bought it more for my support team and it was just kept in the cooler box and I couldn't eat. So my dad's like, just try and eat the sandwich. And I ate it, stayed down, I could eat it, it, it worked. So my, he then rang my partner, he's like, right, you have to go and get as many chicken and sweet corn sandwiches as you can. And I think I ate about eight of these things in a day and a half. But yeah, that is now, and I've never used that before. It just worked. It was just, yeah, chicken and sweet corn. So we're looking for sponsorship from Marks and Spencer's uh, There's food no Marks and Spencer's down there, mate. It'll have been oh, made in a sandwich now. van. Have you there got one now? now. Really in Harford as well. I was going to say, that's a, a sandwich van parked up in a lay-by. <laughs> the best kind of sandwich you can get. But no, yeah, chicken and sweet corn sandwiches. And uh, I drank a lot of coconut water as well. Mm-hmm. But I've been using that for, for a while. Um, but yeah, that's probably the only... Oh, and somebody gave me this like amazing organic chocolate cake thing. I don't know what it is. It just was like, it was amazing. It was the only bit of chocolate that I had during the whole thing. And it was just, just felt magical. <laughs> that was the angle as well. So it's a good mix. Did you did you have any gels or any of the you know like say traditional sports? Yeah, nutrition? lots of lots of gels. I was taking more electrolyte tabs more than uh, tablets. Um, I found they worked better, and, and I was really pleased. I've never had it go so well, but I've never I didn't have any cramp, and the first mm. two days were hot as well, but no cramp, um, no like you know when you know when you feel like you need electrolytes. I didn't have any of any of that. Um, I didn't have any like stomach problems I had nausea but that wasn't from food that was just because I went too long without eating more than anything and causing I think it was just stress that was more than anything but yeah I didn't eat any like I was really disappointed I didn't eat like any of the Haribos or anything that I bought I didn't eat any of the crisps I remember somebody shoving a hash brown in my face at one point and eating that (laughs) (laughs) I drank quite a bit of coffee as well (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's another hard thing is to get your caffeine timing right so that you're not just constantly relying on on caffeine because you can crash quite hard yeah. off of it. Did you have a strategy in place for stuff like caffeine and at least like hydration or did you just think, I'm going to go on how I feel? Um, I did. Um, I, every time I went to the checkpoint, because you have to take the electrolyte tablets every two hours. So I made oh, it was like two to three hours so every time I went to the vehicle I made sure I take, took them but sometimes when there's lots of people around the plans do kind of go wrong and you get all excited and forget little bits um and then I made sure I had every time I went to lunch over these certain gels that I made sure I had as well um and then I had just and when I was running I just had the nice ones that I fancied and like they might not have been the best but just it was getting food in and then on the second day after um, crashing a little bit for not food, like I stopped and had breakfast and then I stopped and had lunch. And then I didn't stop really, but my dad made sure there was a sandwich for me then in the last evening. So, And then the last like few hours of just shoving gels and I, I was like, <laughs> I probably gave myself diabetes for that was how many I took. <laughs> I literally like, I think I was sweating gels out for about two days. <laughs> Or like a smell of sugar. Oh, so, yeah. The last few hours, like people just chucking gels at me. I didn't care by that point. I just wanted to get done. So and uh, you did it all to raise money for Wales Air Ambulance. Yeah. Is that right? And is, is yeah. that a particular reason, or it's just because they, you know, do such great work along the coast path in particular? 
um, or yeah, a that, charity that's quite close to home for you? Um, well, I see them quite often in, in Pembrokeshire. Um, obviously, we're quite remote here. Um, I've not had any personal experience that's needed them, but I just know um, that they do so much work along here. And after the first time thinking I might have needed them to rescue from that wind, I think it's a very apt charity for the event that I was that I was doing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have uh, two more questions and maybe Rob has a, another few as well. Apart from the finish, what was your favourite point of the run? Getting at low tide at Sandy Haven. I was so chuffed <laughs> to see those little stepping stones and getting it so perfect. That was great. And every time I see my dad's Land Rover, because that's what the support vehicle was, that nice. was a, a high point. <laughs> so. And the, the next one is the most obvious question I think people will be thinking. What's next? Um, well, I want to go get the Caradigion one, although no one's done that yet. So that's going to be harder because I want to make sure I get a good time. Um, but it's only... Like rivalry as well <laughs> only 60 miles and then next year i got two 200 mile races um one in april and one in august what races are they um they're by a company called wild horse um it's they're quite they're new um um one's up in north wales this doesn't include snowdon but the like the mountain range around it and then the other ones like the coastal part of, of south wales like Porth Callway as well brilliant so recover, relax for a bit, and then get training again. Uh, I'm racing again on the 19th of June. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been doing one in a week's time if COVID allowed. <laughs> wow. My, uh, so actually, my, my question kind of flows into this quite nicely. I, I'm keen to know how much uh, data you track on a day-to-day -day basis. So things like you know how fast you're running i know you obviously track your weekly mileage but do you track things like sleep calories like recovery metrics do you track any of this or is it all to go mostly on feel or how does it work i do track everything but mileage and pace is the most important one to me um i don't train off heart rate i think i get too excited on runs and it's always too high according according to it unless I think it's quite hard on trail I think I just like out there just loving life and it's just like 200 beats per minute the whole time um <laughs> I track elevation as well I do watch my calories because it's quite easy either to eat too much or, or not enough especially when I'm back in the gym now um it's important to, to track it um obviously track like my fluid intake and I do survive a lot of caffeine <laughs> But I just pretty much eat healthy anyway, uh, making sure I have my like my three main meals a day and any any snacks then that I need to. It's not always perfect because it's life, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I don't track my sleep. But I'm I pretty much go to bed early, get up get up early. So and I have an extra hour on a Saturday and Sunday, which is nice. And sometimes an afternoon nap on the weekend, which is always important. <laughs> strategies there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Good. Brilliant. Sana, thank you so much for, for coming on and a huge congratulations on, on what you achieved. And I can't wait to bring the boys down and uh, show them what you've actually done. And we'll definitely give you a call and head out for a run with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, we I'll come show you around. I've, I've realised we didn't actually say by how much you beat the record by, did we? Oh, yeah, it's a good <laughs> point. Smashed. We just, we keep talking about, yeah, you actually absolutely smashed it. Wasn't the your time was about 51 and a half hours. Is that about yeah. right? Yeah. For, the, for the 300k and the previous best time was a gentleman his name's gone i want to say stephen 
Uh, Rich Simpson, Richard Simpson. Richard Simpson, 64 hours and 32. So you, over half a day. You could have had a nap. I did have one little nap because I did start to hallucinate. <laughs> you could have had two. Yeah. <laughs> and done a full day's work and gone for a recovery run. Yeah. yeah I didn't lose my time very well. He still wouldn't be there yet. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. There we go. Donna, we're well definitely going to keep an eye on you with your with your races coming up, and yeah, when we uh, when I bring these boys back on for a UK tour when the world opens up again, we know we'll yeah. run. Come in the summer and be much better. <laughs> you could be our our tour guide. Definitely, I'd love to <laughs> show you how it's done. <laughs> exactly. Good. Thank you, Sana, so much for coming on. Thanks for your time, and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. Mate, have you ever had so many gels you sweat them out? I <laughs> no, no, I, I, oh my goodness, <laughs> I just, I'm just in awe of her, really. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I agree. It's, yeah, I don't think uh, she, she's quite understating a little bit what she's achieved there. I think I don't think she's, she's so uh, humble in her accomplishment. I don't think, I think that record's going to stand for a very, very long time. Yeah, I, I really don't understand how that can be broken. 300k of running. And to beat it by, what did we work it out as? 12, over 12 it's, hours. Over 12 hours. It's, it's basically averaging around 10 minutes a k across all of those, you know, all the bridges, all the gates. Like, I, I just think whenever I did that, um, that FKT in the summer in Northamptonshire mm. or finished in Northamptonshire and just every style just the style slowed me down by like two minutes a K off my running pace to my finish pace. And you have to do that for a gate. So her running pace must be incredible. And then yeah. you take into the account all the uphills where she shouldn't be running or couldn't run. Like you said, her, her quads are up by her face. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's mind blowing. I did my first marathon on the coast, on the coast path, um, mm. which is, was towards where she started. So it was, on the more difficult end, but going the other way. And at, I think it was about 30, 38 Ks, both my adductors cramped. And so my knees locked together. <laughs> and I remember just sort of like slow motion falling to the floor, like knees first, trying to like get my legs straight again because both adductors were just completely in cramp and thinking, how do people run marathons normally, let alone you know, people had been running three back to back. So it was when that race was still on. Uh, that blew my mind. And then the fact that she's gone and just run it nonstop. Like, seven, really, seven, like seven marathons. <laughs> it's incredible. And yeah, that terrain, I think you can only understand it if you go and if you go and run it. You're, at mm. some points, you're like bouldering. You're, you'll be just climbing on your hands and feet over over various things. And then when you do finally get a bit of flat, like I said, you're, you're on the top of a cliff. And there's not gates along the cliff path to stop you falling off most of the place. It's you're just exposed to whatever yeah. is there and the grass might be cut, it might not be. So yeah, the, the variability in it is is incredible. Incredible. Not like we have here, mate, where it's either smooth yeah. tarmac or or sand dunes. I've I've only done a bit of running on the on the Cornish coast path and I know exactly the type of the terrain. There's there's mm. nothing, there is no flat. It's either up or it's down. If you're lucky that you can run some of the up and similarly if you're lucky you can run some of the down but most of it is 
fast hiking. Yeah. Um, that your yeah your quads must be like you said, quads took a huge hit. Yeah. Mate, should we talk into the darkness? Coach into edition? the darkness. Yes, let's talk about it. Where do you want to start? <laughs> I want to start with how much fun everybody had. That is <laughs> actually that you and Marcus. If you haven't, if people are listening and they haven't read your your very well written, um, what do you call it, a blog post? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. article, blog post, yeah. your blog post on yeah, your write up on Into the Darkness. They should hop over to your Instagram and they should have a read. And similarly, go and read Marcus's as well, mm. um, because I don't think I could sum it up any better than that. Yeah, the there's only you need a few people to make the atmosphere that we create up at you know the car park when you're ready to go and it's been the same every year the, <laughs> and i've said it in my in my post that's how i started i was like the excitement dial is turned to 10 mm-hmm. i left my house an hour early i i got i was like i'm gonna leave one hour before i need to be there i actually left two <laughs> luckily just i forgot sit, something just to, so i went to back. sit in the car park no i forgot something so i went back home to get uh, it but um it was just i was just so excited and everyone there is was so excited and if if you're not that excited then you're either not going to be there or your your mind is soon changed isn't it yeah i mean in that first cycling group there must have been 15 people and of mm. that in that big lead pack i think only four of us were actually doing the event <laughs> so yeah. we had we had in essence nine people who wanted to get around that loop as fast as humanly possible yeah yeah and, and uh, I, I, your goal was to try and drop me in that first in that first lap and you nearly did it it was it was it was a not so secret secret goal of mine um because i knew you were in the best run shape of your life and i uh, didn't stand much of a chance there so i was like i will rip his legs off as hard as i can <laughs> and, and <laughs> it was close it was so close i nearly got dropped like 5k into the bike i heard someone gave you a push on the did. back to get you yeah. back in the line i and went up, I, did, just... I, did, <laughs> I did a little stint at the front for about 40 seconds and then I realized that. that i wasn't fast enough and you just flew past me and i was like oh i'm in trouble I'm, uh, and then just drifting slowly slowly further back and everyone kept overtaking i was like oh no i need something now. i need some juice from somewhere and i just felt a hand on my back just launching back into the back of the peloton thank you need to figure out whose hand that was and uh, <laughs> go tell them off. But yeah, that, I mean, when I saw you, I knew my tactics and it was basically to get everyone else so wound up that, that they did the job for me, um, which, which worked. I got to be honest that as soon as we set off, I think there was about a minute warm up, and then it was just gas. Yeah. So I was like, this is perfect. Rob Jones will be nicely into zone five by now. Still and then nice. I saw you on the front and I thought, ah, oh, he's, he's giving it a dig. And I thought, as soon as he finishes his turn, I'm going to just fly by. And I know the strong lot will keep up with me and he will just be pedaling backwards. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you got around my tactic. The next one was when we hit the, the very small climb. I was like, if I can get, give some gas up here and then get over the top without letting up, you, uh, you might not hold on, but you did. And I was very impressed, mate. The climb, actually, when it got to the climb, I managed to jump a few places up because I thought... If I'm at the back of the climb and the group separates, I'm done. So I need yeah. to get in amongst it. Um, and then I, whenever everyone was descending down that first small climb again, I sat at the back again. It was fine. Uh, I already was, thought about that. Well <laughs> ridden. 
very well written. And then uh, we, well, there was a very interesting transition for one of us, which I think is worth a mention actually, because Rob Foster, I mean, he's an incredible runner, he's an incredible athlete, but I think it showed his power, like how strong his mind is, um, that he got into transition and all his stuff was in his car. And unfortunately, the car key wasn't there to open it. The car key his was, car was... His car was locked. So he had different. what he was wearing for a cycle. So, and he did not panic. He used one of his support crew's shoes, which was half a size too big. And he just ran in his bib shorts and his heart rate monitor was on upside down. And he had a bum bag, I believe, for <laughs> nutrition. And he just took off. And I didn't see him again for the rest of the night. No. Um, and I thought, I just remember instantly thinking, fair play. That is he how was, you handle he was, a crisis. He was running, he told me, I think, between four and four ten per K at the back of the between 20 and 30 kilometers in shoes that were not his, that were too big in bib shorts. Yeah. And he ran a total time of 3.55 for 50K. Yeah. So get your mind around that. Incredible, <laughs> really, really incredible effort. And then you boy, well, you, Steph started her run, you and Marcus went on ahead. I was a little bit slower in transition because I wanted to make sure I had at least 10 Ks of fuel with me. So I put on a mm. uh, naked running band and chucked two bottles in. And I hate rushing through those things, um, particularly knowing that I wasn't going to get support until about 10 K. Um, and I was actually really happy just tooling off. Saw you guys up ahead and was like, no, I'm pretty happy here. And then caught up with you. I think you stopped to have a piss. And, uh, and then we ran a bit together, didn't we? Till the first stop, I think. Yeah, so our tactics, we had support car every 5K, so we could run quite light and we just do really quick breeze through transitions, um, which worked out really well. I, I really like that because then mentally you just break it up into 5K blocks. Oh, I've only got to get to yeah. 5K. You know, when, by the time you come out of a transition, you've got 2K in the bag, you know, oh, it's three to go, easy. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, that was my plan as well, but I didn't have anyone until... 10k because yeah. um boz was riding back and then she was going to come back up and jump in my car and come around but that is definitely the, one of the best ways to do it especially in a looped course like that and there's no milestones really apart from the distance markers on the track but uh it was it was no wind either was there so it's quite warm no um and yeah it, how were your legs feeling after the bike so again the first the first few k we we set off at about some 530 540 a kilometer and just to get into it, because you know that the major mistake you can make with this is you come out all guns blazing and you, you crash and burn. And I've made that mistake before. So it was, okay, I'm going to ease off, go nice and gentle, let the legs settle in. Because I'm not really bike conditioned as well, I wasn't really sure how that would pan out for me. <laughs> so that, that seemed to work really well. I got a few K in, felt great. And then we upped it to, I think, 450s. And then at our fastest, we were running 430s a K for a little bit. And we thought mm. that was maybe a bit silly, so eased off a little bit again. Um, yeah, I can admit, this, the best was probably the best run, long run like that I've ever done. I yeah, felt so so comfortable. No, you um, looked it the whole way through. It was really nice. Yeah, I think uh, when when did I see you guys? When we started yo-yoing back and forth, and I think around fifteen. Yeah, it was about fifteen k. That was. K. Um, but just whenever I saw you running past when I was like refilling bottles or whatever I just thought ah oh, these boys are just cruising it you were just yeah and you've been doing a lot of like long runs together mm -hmm. you could tell you you were just working together and, and flowing through it and you were in 
no rush whatsoever. No, and do you know, because of that, because there was no pressure, yeah, because there was no pressure, it, it just made the run really enjoyable. Like, so yeah. whenever we, whenever you drop back a bit and we thought, oh, actually you're maybe in a bit of trouble, we're like, okay, we'll just we'll hang back and wait for him and we'll try and give you a bit of a pull, see if you need anything, see what's going on and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it was around the two hour mark that I started to feel my Achilles coming back and, and uh, causing some pain. And it was so, well, I wrote in my blog post, but for an hour, I was just trying to make a decision of what was best to do. And I absolutely hate, especially having DNF this event before yeah. through the same Achilles issue. I was like, I can't do that. Like I really just, for about half an hour, I was just trying to find ways of trying to ignore, ignore the pain of it and sort of not, um, not accept it. If you know what I mean? Like it'll go soon, it'll go soon. And then I realized, yeah, this really isn't. So at 25, I think I said to Boz at 20, oh, my Achilles is tight. And then at 25, I said, I was, I was literally going to stop there and jump mm. back on my bike. And then Marcus That's... and you were like, ah, oh, come on, let's go. And I was like, oh, I really don't need this. <laughs> and then the whole time we were running, I was running between the, in the middle of you. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to do 3K. And then I'm going to just have to walk. And I think I got to like two and a half. And I was like, I think like literally 10 more running steps. And this thing is going to go. So yeah. I just said, you boys crack on. And, and I'm going to walk walk up to 30K from here. And uh, and you did. And, and that was perfect. Because the, the last thing you want is people around you sort of fussing and saying, oh, come on, a little bit more. When you know mm -hmm. that if you run a bit more, it's going to do a lot more damage than, than good. So that was hard. But it was... I wasn't sort of uh, wasn't overly upset at it because I saw you boys like running off so well and I knew Skinny was good and Steph was running a first 50k and like I was just happy that everyone was like was good you know yeah and um, I was excited to just get back on the bike and and ride in and see all you guys up I thought I might see Skinny as he finishes he'd finished before I even got back on my bike <laughs> we, we, I can't remember who we asked I think we asked Paul we said where's, where's Skinny and she's like 35 40 minutes ahead like what yeah <laughs> yeah it was not did not expect that yeah uh, he flew around yeah big time so um yeah it, it was a bit of a mixed a mixed bag for me but in the end i think i was just yeah very happy to see everyone else doing doing so well and i, I also wrote in in the blog post that i think i was probably in a little bit of like quite a lot of naivety and, and denial of what i really could do um, mm. having not run in January, February, and then doing like two and a half months of training, longest run being like just over 20K. Um, I probably didn't sit down and really think realistically about it. Like, okay, can I run 50? And no one no one sort of pulled me up on it either. No, I was thinking about this as well after actually I read your blog post. And then again, Marx's. I was just like, we almost, we can almost take it for granted that we can get up and do these things without really... I say it's not done without sounding cocky, but without really training specifically for them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like yeah. we can get up and we can run 50K or we can walk, run 50K, whatever it might be, quite easily. Yeah. Sometimes you, you do have to appreciate how far 50 kilometer run is when you're bolting it on, well, on its own, but whilst you're bolting it on to two really tough cycles as well. Yeah, agreed. And I think the, the lesson for me was I should have looked at it a bit more on a, on a whole sort of picture basis and I should I like well the, the best thing I could have done probably now I think back at it was either have done Moskenbach which is 21k which would be in a decent long run for me at the moment 
or just run out the opposite way to like court you guys, turned around and run back with you. And then I would have shared the same sort of experience with you guys. I would have done both bikes and I would have just cut off, you know, a good portion of it, like 30 Ks of it. And it would have still been a similar effect. But in, like, as it happens, I had like a good 24 hours of just constantly thinking it over and being annoyed at myself basically for it. But um, then once I realized like, ah, oh, there's the lesson, I was like, okay, let's get it written down. And now I'm good. Yeah. There we go. We should call it like the rebound ITD. You go until you ah. you meet the first runner and then you just turn and bounce back. That would be so good. I'd like yeah. love that. We should actually get some people to do that. Because actually that side's much, much nicer as well. Because that the left-hand side's got all the road and those flashing lights and... Yeah. You'd have that to deal with thing. that at the end though. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. And then how was your last bike? So, oh, the last bike. So we we finished the run, felt great, hopped on the bike, and we just so happened that we bumped into Matt, who had just finished his third lap after some admin issues on the second lap. And he was like, oh, I've got one more lap to do. I'll, I'll tow you guys round if you want. And we're like, fantastic, brilliant. This should be nice. We felt quite good. And uh, he set off at 40, 40K an hour. I think something like that. And uh, Marcus was second and I was sitting at the back in third. And Marcus was like, any chance you can ease off a little bit, please, mate? <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. I'll, I'll hold 200 watts. We're, we're looking down going, Christ, I'm at like 240. Just, yeah. yeah. So he held, he was really good. He held 200 watts pretty much for the whole way around. And we just swapped second and third place. Um and just got it done. I think it took one hour 20, one hour 19 for that second lap, which yeah. again was probably, it was, if take out that first lap, it was one of the fastest laps I've ever done around there um, in my instant, or it probably the second fastest lap I've done around there in Into the Darkness. Brilliant. Good. And this mm. weekend is Client ITD. I'm really excited about that. It's going to be very interesting. And as always, a ton of lessons are going to be learned out there. Yeah. Mate, one bit of advice. Enjoy it. <laughs> Even when, when, when it starts to get really, really sore and nothing's going to plan and it's horrible and you're going to hate yourself, you might cry. Just remember, you're able to get out and do it. It's, it's, what, we're meant, it's, it's what it's all about. Exactly. And You put it in your blog post. You, what did you put? You win or you learn. You never fail. That's it. And yeah, I mean, remember your write-up from Chamonix. Mm. Um, was it last year? Two years ago now. Two years ago, I think, yeah. And uh, it was the same for you, isn't it? I remember that. Yeah. So it's good. They, have they you? confirmed UTMB? They announced that it's on yesterday. Mm. Uh -huh. Decision. Actually, I put it on my Instagram. Yeah. So France, they've confirmed UTMB Chamonix will be on full full uh full participation it's all very exciting but they haven't sent out an email or anything like that yet so i'm still dubious so in that essence i've got a spot ready for tds i need to recover quickly from vda and then try and run 145 kilometers in the french uh, the french alps taking off all the alps this summer i will i'll have done them all that means i'll have covered france spain italy and switzerland all in the summer Awesome. Maybe maybe you should head back to Wales for a training camp with Sana. Try and hit the uh, sub-50 hours for the Pembrokeshire Coast. Why not? 
Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, make sure we plug anything this week or should we, should we give the listeners a break? Give them a break. We've got nothing to plug. We've got tons, but yeah, we'll, we'll give them a break. <laughs> if you want to know what we're up to, head over to our main Instagram account, which is at IF underscore endurance, mm-hmm. or you can head over to Rob's page, Rob Jones Endurance, or head over to my page, Tom Walker Fitness, all on Instagram, has on there details of everything we're up to, plus some quality dad jokes from Rob Jones, Always. and some friendly banter from myself. Rarely. That's it, rarely. <laughs> we will... <laughs> Brilliant note to end on. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.